the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Well, welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. We're glad to have you joining us. I am Ben South. And I am Danny Smith, and I am so glad that we're uh, we're having the show today, Ben. I'm glad we uh, can meet up together and uh, talk ministry and life. It's always fun. One of the highlights of my week. It is. Well, before we dive in, let's just go ahead and start and tell them about our sponsor uh, for this episode. We are thankful to have Central Baptist College and their PACE degree program sponsoring us. Uh, they are a good sponsor, a great place. And if you need to finish your college degree but don't have time, the PACE College degree program at Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas has a proven in-class online or hybrid course format and multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule. They know that you can't always quit your full-time job and relocate and so they have developed a flexible format that has helped adults for 20 years earn their degree while working full-time to get started just go online and visit them at cbc.edu online cbc.edu online you can fill out an application for admission request a meeting someone will get in touch with you and get you connected to cbc to finish your goals in ministry so we're thankful for them and their partnership with us here at cheer two leaders yeah, absolutely. They've been uh, great. And, you know, it probably says a lot about my age when I remember when they started the PACE degree program over there. And so when you use that little phrase, 20 years, that always uh, makes me uh, cringe just a little bit. Good for them. Just reminds me I'm getting a little bit older and uh, all that good stuff. You know, speaking of 20 years, my wife and I just celebrated 20 years uh, of marriage. So that's um, that's got to stand for something. So yes, my wife and I will have 21 years next week. So all right, so all right. CBC's pace. Our marriages are all about the same, and so that's right. Those things That's are right. all lined up together. Well, before we were married, though, we were single college guys, right? That's right. Yeah, and uh, you know, Ben and I. I'm trying to remember. I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, we traveled with the college uh, choir and singers and stuff like that. They let us hang around there and. Uh, you know, it feels like that was a lifetime ago. Uh, and now I think, what did I do with all my time? What did I do with, uh, well, I didn't have any money. I was a broke college student. But, uh, yeah, those single days, that uh, they're in the rear view, but they were very much a part of uh, just who we are today and uh, how we're shaped to be who we are today. That's right. Well, but the life of single people has changed a lot from the time when we were in college to today in the last two decades. And we've got our, our guest with us today is going to help us talk about how we can more effectively reach singles. We're glad to have PJ Dunn joining us uh, from Table for One Ministries. And also he works with the Georgia Baptist Convention. So PJ, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for thinking of me and giving some special time to talk about a, a huge demographic in our country. Well, before we dive into that, just give us a little bit of background and history of your story, how you got to where you are and your interest in singles ministry. Yeah, we, um, man, it's been, it's been fun how God will use you if you allow him. And, you know, when you enter with open arms and say, Lord, how would you use me? It'll take you on a wild ride, probably a couple thousand miles and a couple of moves. And uh, not always, but, but sometimes it goes that way. And so anyhow, we, um, God, you know, first touched me when I was uh, in college. I was going to be a mechanical engineer, guys, at the University of Tennessee. I just offended half our audience. 
and uh, they. Yeah, I think we can end that podcast. Right? I guess maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and now I work in Georgia, so you know I really am a trader of all traders. But um, you know, September 11th happened, and it was the first time I realized that people were dying and going to heaven or hell. And what was I doing about it? I'd never thought. Lord, what, what, what was my part in somebody's eternity? You know, I'd grown up in church. My dad was a pastor. I had that, but I wasn't doing church because church people were hard to deal with. And so I wasn't going to do church. And, um, but God clearly spoke to me, called me into ministry and then really shaped that um, in seminary, you know, and, and you were, you were talking about school. School's a great way for, for the Lord to really refine and hone, you know, what he's called you to. And so I was in a Greek class, uh, maybe on the island called Patmos. But I was in a Greek class, and um, I distinctly remember, and I am not like the other guys in this room. Like, they, they're looking at one word, and they could make 10 sermons out of it. And I'm looking at an entire passage and want to make one word out of it. And my mentor at the time said, that means you're an education guy. And I thought, okay, well, let's see what that looks like. And so, uh, you know, God, I was single at the time and serving in singles ministry, and um, and God just began to really refine that it's just such an unreached people group. Um, and it's right in front of us that somebody needs to be an advocate for singles. And so that's kind of what Table for One was born, born out of was uh, not a paycheck, but a passion and, and something that we do because we want the local church to, to know that singles are there, advocate for them, but resource leaders to singles at the same time. So that's kind of how that evolved over the years. And now you're serving with the uh, discipleship arm of the Georgia Convention, correct? Yeah, so I, I work in all Benny, Georgia, down here in the southwest region, and um, I, I, you know, I have the privilege of serving 600 pastors and help them be disciple makers, and and these things go so side by side, because if you want to make disciples and you want to reach your community, you got to reach singles, and so God's just kind of really woven all those things together into a pretty sweet season of ministry where I get to, to love on pastors that often are, uh, you know, don't have a team, you know, 88% of our churches here in Georgia are under 250 people. So, you know, we're, we're really the, the, the staff that a lot of them don't have to walk alongside them and help them do discipleship. And then I have counterparts that do evangelism and missions and pastor wellness and, and worship. And so together we kind of make up a, a team of people that serve the church. Yeah. Looking at your website uh, for Table for One Ministries, just some of the statistics about uh, singles and the numbers there are just overwhelming at times. I mean, sometimes those of us get in the flow of ministry, I think we overlook that segment of the population. Because, you know, you're, it shows here that, you know, over half of the people between 18 and 34 are single and yeah. aren't married. Uh, Twenty yeah. Up to a quarter of our church population is single. That's just unbelievable that that large of a segment of our population that probably is under... Uh, equipped and under um, resourced for ministry. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the statistics really are the, uh, the proof, you know, and, and, and what we have found in singles world where we just say, Hey, singles are important. Often the response is, yeah, college students and young twenties, that's, that's where it's at. But when we look at the data, it tells us very differently, you know, cause we'll say things like 40% of marriages end in divorce, first time marriages end in divorce. Well, that's 40% of those people that are now single again, but we don't say it that way, do we? We just go, oh man, that stinks. The marriage, the marriage failed. And so now you have the singles population that the median age is 29 for guys and 27 for, for women and rising and, um, and will even go higher during COVID. And so what, what, what the senior pastor, what that lead pastor, what that education pastor has to do is, is say, okay, if I want to reach hundred percent of my population, 
who are they? And 40% of them are going to make up singles, you know? And so the stats you brought up, 50% of people are single in America. That's the workforce stat. And so that's a really big thing for the working industry, right? Like if I'm, if I'm McDonald's and I'm offering benefits, like I have to be aware that we have those, but, but Ben, it's also like, um, uh, family marriage ministry. Okay. So we'll say things like we, we are for the family at first Baptist, such and such. We love the family. We're for the family. But Danny, how many times do we finish that sentence? And we say something like, and 40% of those families are single parent families. We don't, we don't end the statement that way. We just assume nuclear family when we say the word family, but we have to remind our congregations that 40% of families in America are single parent families. And so the response to that is, how is that possible? I walk down the hallway and I don't see people like with that many broken homes. And I go, exactly. Cause they're not in your church because That's they right. didn't feel welcome to come to your church. And in some of this is your target, you know, like who your church is hitting may not be who the single moms, the single dads are in your community. They're not coming to your church for that resource, but um, being single friendly kind of addresses that and we can unpack that a little bit more so uh, anyhow i'm excited so you have to like hit the right you know? <laughs> no that's good i remember when i was children's pastor though we would talk about statistics kind of on the outside of this with children saying okay for some kids because of divorce and those kind of things um, those situations that 50 percent attendance is 100 percent attendance for them because they're parents other parents every other weekend but we never turned around and said okay so that means some of our parents are parents every other weekend they have the responsibility of the kids every other weekend not that they stop being parents but they have that responsibility so how do we turn our ministries to reach them and minister to them specifically um so strategically going forward, what do you think are some of those keys that we need to, to understand in a church setting or for, for those sitting in the first chair or second chair specifically, if we're going to reach these demographics of people, what are some of the, just the keys we need to understand? Yeah, two, thing, two things come to mind for that. First one is that um, we have to be single friendly, not have a singles ministry. It's not going to be about creating um, a singles choir, a singles volleyball, a singles um ministry proper to reach single adults we have to be single friendly and single friendly means that we're using language and promotions that tell that single adult um, from whatever background they're from which we'll unpack next um man this is a church for you this is a church for everybody you're welcome here and and if we're not communicating that we're not doing that so so it's as simple ben as um Hey, hey, pastor, you're going to use an example on Sunday morning. Could you use a single mom as an example instead of saying, you know, um, my wife and I, you could change that story and just say, hey, a single mom had this experience. You know, you're still using the meat of your story, but you're adapting it to the room. And what that communicates to uh, to people that aren't even single is that that's a person that's welcome here. And so when I'm when I'm shopping and um, I'm at Walmart and I'm checking out the, the I the person single, I have some kind of a conversation. I can say, Hey, our church is for you. You know, like they're, they're a church that, um, that welcomes singles. My pastor talked about singles and we want them to be a part, um, of our, of our church. And then the second thing I'd like to, to unpack, um, it's just kind of like the different types of singles there are, but before I do that, I'd like to know your reaction to being single friendly. Like, when, well, when I think that, what do you think? Yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever heard that term in that, you know, context being friendly to singles, but I, I absolutely see it because so much of what we as a church promote in the way we program, the way we structure things is 
well, let's resource parents as if that's the ultimate goal is to be that mother, father with children, nuclear family. Yes, that's a biblical model, but it's not that that has what God has called for everybody. Yeah. Um, I can think of people I know who are single moms who have adopted um, their children, um, single moms by divorce or other circumstances that led to that, um, single dads and that same type thing. And we don't think for them specifically. We, yeah. we do lots of parenting. We do lots of marriage, but we don't do, hey, surviving when you're not married <laughs> type yeah, ministry. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're so trained to be program driven. Right. So we try to answer these questions with, okay, what program can I go reach that kind of single at all? What program is it that if I threw money at would just fix this issue? But it's people. You know, we have to understand the, the, the people issue first. And so programs aren't going to fix that if we don't understand the people. And so um, you have to understand who singles are. So this, this is this is one of my favorite things to talk about next to being single friendly. It's just defining single adults. Um, so we define uh, at Table for One Ministries, we define singles a few ways. We define them as single. And those are people that may or may not be dating, uh, may or may date in the future or not. But but they may be taking that thing that Paul said, you know, that um, that we uh, that we were better off if we're single because we don't have a divided interest. You know, that's what Danny was talking about back in the day, you know, before I was married 20 years ago. Um, you know, they're taking that seriously. Then you have collegiate singles, which are going to be that age that's 18 to 22. Um, we say collegiate, not college, because so many of those um, that start college will never finish. So we don't want to set a ministry or a nomenclature that automatically tells the Walmart employee, hey, you're not welcome here because you don't go to college full time. You know, so so I think it's something like 60, 70 percent of people who start college never finish. So to call it college and career really could miss the the mark. So then we move to dating singles. These are people that, you know, they're on an app, they're looking, they're searching for somebody, they want to find somebody, they are actively on the market trying to date, and they're different. So if we assume every single adult wants to be married, then we're not completing Christ. We're, we're saying that you're complete in a marriage. We don't want that. But we understand that most people that are single will be married at some point. That's what the statistics tell us. But that's not the end goal. That's not what we advocate for at Singles. Uh, ministry, singles uh, friendly. We don't say you have to be married and then you'll understand one day. It truly is a being where you're at. So you have dating singles that are dating, engaged singles. Man, how many times have we started a nearly newlyweds class and said, well, you're basically married. It's cool. Well, you ain't married in God's eyes. And so if we're going to take the biblical approach, engagement is that last step right before we walk down the aisle before God and say, we're, we're one together with him, right? And so engaged is a life stage of single. Um, and if you cross that line too early, you end up with things like, hey, we're doing a, a camp this weekend, everybody come. And that engaged couple who's living with each other wants to share a tent together at your marriage event. And then you go, oh, is that what you meant, PJ, by, by they're still single? Yeah, that's what I meant. It was all fun and games when you didn't, when you didn't have to deal with that part of their life, right? Um, and so then you have the engaged single. So um, Divorce singles, I think we kind of get that. Divorce happens a lot of different ways. Um, those that will divorce tend to do it within the first three years of marriage. That statistic I've seen in, in friends and ministers that, that I know personally. Um, and so that's a very heartbreaking one. But 40% of first-time marriages will divorce is what uh, the national statistics tell us. And that's no different in the church. Then you have single parents. And you just talked a little bit about this, Ben. But, you know, you can be a single parent by adoption. Uh, by, you know, out of wedlock, you know, having a, a child, 
um, you know, a husband dies by, you know, a, a wife dies, you become a widow, um, you know, or you're divorced, you know, it's, it's I got the kids and, and that. But when we assume uh, about single parents, we normally assume the worst, but I know several single parents who adopted, you know, that they want to be an, an active part of helping a child's life. God has not opened the door for marriage, but they're going to invest in a child's life. And so single parents come in all fashions. And then you have widows. Um, man, during the pandemic, this is something I've been hitting hard. You know, when we see that number that says nearly 600,000 people have died of COVID, are we internalizing that in the church and saying, man, half of those could have been marriages. So now we have all these widows and we think they're little old ladies in their 60s and 70s, but the statistics says 57 is the average age for a widow. And I think that's even lower now because of COVID, even with those statistics, we're going to find that. So are we a church that does that? And then the last one, the lightning rod is same-sex attraction. I think biblically, if we're going to, you know, talk about this issue, it's one that I feel like is in the singles realm because that's, that's where God stands on that issue. But we need to talk about this issue. There needs to be a space to talk about same-sex attraction. And we, and we do that. All right. That was a lot of mouthful. And, uh, and I saw some hands writing. So let's unpack them or whatever your thoughts are on those. You know, uh, I, when I was uh, in seminary, I interned at a church over uh, in the Memphis area and actually interned in the single adult ministry. And I, I'm telling you, the way you just unpacked those various life stages that singles are in, you know, I didn't know that going into it. I just assumed college and career, you know, and then you meet people, like you said, for whatever reason. Uh, through divorce, through just never finding anyone, whatever it may be, and just all the the challenges that came along with that, it is really multi-layered when you're trying to minister to those folks. Uh, somebody, uh, I think of a guy that uh, that that I struck up a friendship with, and you know, his main concern was he had a really good job, uh, a very stable job, would probably is going to retire. Uh, you know, very comfortably, but you know, his big thing, he just wanted to go on vacation with somebody. He's like, man, I just, I, I get three weeks of vacation a year. He said, I don't even take it because I don't really even have anybody to go on vacation yeah. with. And, you know, it's just things like that, that, you know, I, it never factored into my thinking. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Even with the same sex attraction thing that if we're going to give people a place to live out that stage of life, we've got to understand far more than just, uh, uh, yeah, singles ministry. I love that phrase of being single friendly and stuff like that. You know, you talked about in your role with Georgia Baptist Convention, how many of those churches are 250 or less? Um, you know, if, if somebody was getting ready to start a church or they hear this and go, okay, you know what, I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm going to put some emphasis on singles, uh, single friendly ministry. Um, you know, Point us in one or two directions to say, uh, you know, here's one thing for sure that you're going to want to consider. And, and I know you've already unpacked some of that. Yeah. Uh, but, but another thing that you might would say, here's what you need to know in terms of uh, this is what it's going to cost you in your time. So, again, you're not just starting a Sunday school class because I think that's also the other thing. Oh, we got a single Sunday school class yeah. and it could be a very interesting uh, dynamic if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't need another program. Um, and, I, and I said that earlier, but I mean it, you know, because I think to answer your question, Danny, is um, I, I learned really early on that if we're going to be, if we're going to have a scalable impact for the life of single adults, we can't be programmatic at all. 
So when, when I work with a church and we do one-on-one uh, coaching with churches, maybe that education pastor, that senior pastor, this is how to be single friendly. We'll do that over like a 12 month period and work with them every month because there's so many different dynamics. But to your point in my job here, working with discipleship, it comes up. And so um, I think of my friend, Jim Pitt, and he's over in Morvin Baptist Church. Morvin is a very dying town. It's a small town in Georgia. We have a lot of those, you know, he's not going to run more people on Sunday morning because there ain't any more people in Morvin. So he, he runs, you know, nearly a hundred and I'm sitting down with him for breakfast. He says, PJ, I want to reach singles. What do I do? So exactly your question. And it really is the same answer. It's okay, Jim, how are you going to be single friendly? All right. Let's think about all the things you do currently that we can weave singles into it. Do you do a marriage conference or do you talk about marriage from the pulpit? Yeah, I do talk about marriage from the pulpit. Great. Why aren't you giving one sermon to singles? Why aren't you giving a marriage and a singles balance, a 50-50 balance to what you're saying out of your mouth? You know, it goes back to those stories examples. Like, that's a fun way of saying it. But, but you know, we don't need another um, event necessarily. But in a larger church, we do marriage conferences once a year, you know, or we partner with somebody or we go away to a marriage event. Why not make that a relationship event? Let's talk about relationships because now singles are welcome into the room and you split off for those topics that don't apply to you if you're not married. You know, married, you go over here, single, you go over here. And I've seen that work with great success, no matter what the size of your church is, that we can do that. And Danny, another, another way to answer that is you can be the beacon for singles in your area. So every church may not buy into this strategy and every pastor and every second chair leader, but if you're the person that does buy in, those people will come and be a part of your thing. So you could do something on a Thursday night specifically for singles once a month. And we don't want your sheep. We don't need anybody to move membership. We want you to be at your church. You've always gone to that church. We want you to stay at that church. But in this one hour radius, we want to be the thing that singles come to and minister and love them because that's ministry. And so that's kind of how you weave it in. So in like a church plant model, the answer there would be, how are people Googling themselves to find themselves? So I get pushed back all day long, guys, about singles don't want to be called singles. That's a dirty word, and they don't want to be called that, and they don't want to do it. But you know what, guys? If they go online and search, they don't type in the word young adult. They don't type in the word um, um, adult-ish, you know, or like, a, you know, college and career. Nobody types in college and career into Google for what they're looking for. They type in single 20. They type in single in Fort Worth. Unmarried young professionals. (laughs) Unmarried young professionals. (laughs) Think about how people Google themselves, use the data that Google gives us to do advertising, and that's how you reach people in a church plant. We we had a we had a thing, um, you know, we kind of briefly talked about it where we built groups of singles and tried to be that beacon. And we did it through other websites, not our church website. So we'd go on a website, we'd list all the events we're doing for singles, and you're welcome to come. We're doing a car scavenger hunt Saturday. And we just have randos show up. You know, randos are great. That means you're doing ministry right. You know, when you get those people that show up and and they come and then maybe they'll come to church on Sunday. Maybe they'll come to the next thing because they have a relationship and that's how they do that. So I think you just got to think like that other person, which is the same principle we use in marriage world, you know, in children's world and family. But when it comes to singles, we're like, ah, it's an enigma. Like we don't understand it. Yeah. And I think one of the things I've seen, um, some of our, in our church, I, I've had these conversations with some of our people. They don't necessarily want 
to be put into their own classroom with other people who are in the same situation. They want to be integrated into the life of the whole church. I think that really comes back to your idea of being single friendly versus being put into your own little group. But how do we how do we in that group we need to be that's what we need to ask ourselves how do we as a church integrate them into every area of life in our church in service and in the 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 room how do we say things or do things that make them feel welcomed and comfortable that say yes you belong here yeah and it depends on your discipleship model you you bring up a great point uh, ben because if your discipleship model is uh sunday school sunday morning and sunday church and wednesday night then you're telling me you're age graded and that I need to have a room that says singles come here on Sunday morning. If you tell me we don't do on-campus groups, we do off-campus groups, they're affinity based. That's fantastic. Don't have a group of singles that just be for Bible study. Let them be a part of your discipleship model, however that is, but singles still need a place to gather. So so I've, I've consulted with churches that run thousands on Sunday mornings, and they have this model of decentralized groups, right? You, as long as you know somebody, go to the group, it's great. And singles feel very alone in that model. And so we go in there and we say, well, why don't you do once a quarter, once every other month, a gathering for just singles? And they say, well, if we call it singles, they won't show up. You know, we go through the same thing. And I say, I, I promise you they'll show up because they know it's for them. Because singles are in that awkward space, you know, that I'm I'm, I'm – it's not that they're intolerant of being around married families with kids and all of that. It's not that. But at some point, I want to be around people that are like me. And somebody who is 32 and is married and has two kids is not 32 and never married. That's not the same person. And so they need a, a space to connect with somebody that's kind of close to their life stage. So it doesn't need to be their own Bible study group. You know, we don't advocate, oh, all the guys have to go here and all the girls have to go here or this is co-ed. But for different churches, we do because that's their discipleship model. PJ, you know, two things kind of stood out to me when I did that uh, internship in the singles ministry. And again, this has been 15, 16 years ago. So I'm sure what I'm about to say is, is probably going to date itself a little bit. So uh, you can tell me just that's awful. Don't ever bring that up again. But when, when I was working in singles ministry, you know, there are preconceived notions about singles. You don't call them that, you know, all this stuff. So let me give you two that I, I heard, and maybe we could just address that in terms of, you know what, that doesn't really apply anymore, or you know what, that's still a stigma or whatever, but just two that stood out that I've tried to carry with me over the years in ministry. One is uh, the phrase, single for a season, single for a reason. Yes. I, I, I debated whether to bring it up on the podcast, but uh, bring it. why not? So that's one. And then I want to say this was, it might have been in the local Memphis paper. It could have been a USA Today thing. There was at that time again. There was this article about. Uh, let's say you get to your mid thirties and you're single, uh, and you hit the dating scene. Maybe this is when again eHarmony, other stuff's coming out, getting more popular. The idea was okay if I meet someone who's single in their thirties, and this kind of applies to the little phrase I just gave you, and they've never been married. Ugh, maybe maybe something's wrong with that person. Whereas if I meet someone who's single, but they're divorced, well, maybe they just had a bad experience, but at least they're marryable. So I don't know. I, I think sometimes those things are unsaid in church yeah. life. Uh, how can we work through those stigmas with, with that? Maybe just talk a minute about those because, again, it's a little dated. I understand yeah, that. No, but, it's not. 
so maybe maybe it's still hanging out there. Well, I think people would have called John the Baptist single for a reason. Okay, I think Jonah <laughs> might have been uh, single for a reason. I think I think Paul. Uh, might have fell into your second category. Well, he's probably a widow, you know, and, and so, but, you know, he's, he was marryable at one point, you know, so he must be okay. And So you go through these biblical characters and then you get to Jesus and you realize Jesus was single. And so um, I say that as my baseline, not that Jesus duke everybody on the podcast right now, yeah. <laughs> just to say as a, as a, as a uh, check for our filter of what complete is. That's why completing Christ is a really big part of what we do, because we want to remind people that that marriage doesn't mean you're better, that you're an adult, that you were marriable, um, because 40% of you weren't marriable because you got divorced. So so even marriage doesn't prove to, to be the thing that says, hey, you've unlocked it, you've arrived in life. Um, when we talk about the weirdos, we talk about the outcast, man, it's just an odd group of singles. I get that all the time. We're going to, we're writing about it in our book we're going to be releasing. And so, um, I do like talking about it because it turns out that all people are weird and all people are messed up. Um, uh, but sometimes they do end up in a bigger concentration. You know, I, I've worked in several churches and so every church has its own flavor of like people that come to it, if you will. And so some churches, they just have the, the more down and out, the harder people. And I can tell you that the strange people marry strange people and the marriage world gets them and they go, man, they're a strange couple. But for some <laughs> reason, when you get married, that must prove that you're at least marryable to something, you know, like what a bar, what a, what a check for like, you're doing great in life. Um, you know, I've been married 10 years, so I'm obviously pro marriage. We, we have pro marriage statements all over our website. We're just, we're for the right marriage and for marrying your best friend and for, for honoring God, you know, not just for checking a box to say that you did it. Anybody can get married tomorrow. That's the other thing I say, Danny. Anybody can go get married tomorrow. That doesn't mean anything. Because when you cheapen marriage to something as a checkbox, it's going to end up cheapened on the backside of it. So and if you don't believe marriage, me, watch 90 Day Fiance, right? Marriage for the sake yeah. of marriage can't be the goal. It can't. Um, and, and so there are there is a reality, Danny, of of uh, sometimes the concentration of healthy adults in the room is less. And we see that in all kind of small group environments that are challenged. Um, but with singles, you really do have to, to have a good balance. Now, you the bet. challenge for us in Baptist world is that 60% um, of singles are females. And so when we wanna be very male driven, we really have a lot of female driven um, leadership in singles world. And so we have to empower that and, you know, there's all the jokes that come with that. But but the reality is a healthy group of adults will attract a healthy group of adults. A non-healthy group will attract non-healthy people. That's why we have church splits. And that's why we have other bad deacon groups and those kind of things, because that it's just a general health principle. And so um, so I, I, it's real. I want to validate what you're saying and, and how you're saying it. There's nothing um, to be shameful about that for singles. I just I say it's not unique. It just yeah. feels highlighted um so of course i think it's a little unfair on my on my single population right i have to advocate for my singles uh but there's some i could give you examples that prove that i agree with you that there are some strange individuals that are single sure sure uh, you know whatever, so. well and you know again and, and based on that 60 kind of 60 40 split so to speak that the kind of follow-up to that is Yes, the men may be the lower number singles, but, uh, you know, it just seems, and again, I, you know, I've tried to keep this on the radar over the years, but, uh, you know, 
a single female, uh, I'm going to try to say this the right way. People maybe look at single females and go, okay, she's single, right? Sue's never married. Uh, she's for whatever reason. Bill, why is Bill not married? He's in his 40s. Why is Bill not married? So, it's, so you know, we men struggle with relationships anyway. You know, it's yeah. their statistics about the number of really good friends that men have. And so maybe even a step beyond that is, okay, so let's say my family's going on vacation and my sister, my cousin, my, uh, my friend from college, she's never married. Hey, she could go with our family to, to Disney world. You take your single brother, your single cousin, your single friend down the street and people just tend to go. That's weird. Why? Yeah. Why? So what is the, uh, what's the nuanced version of a single male and how to, again, it's discipleship. You've already alluded to all that, but, uh, I don't know, maybe just speak to that a little bit. I guess environments are key, but you know what you're picking up on, what you're saying, the statement behind the statement is that discipleship groups that think that it doesn't matter if you're single or married, you can come, really is a fallacy. Because if 40% of marriages are on the verge of divorce, and I'm in a room with 12 people, and six of them might be thinking about divorce, and a single person walks into the opposite sex, that's seen as a threat. And so, so the, the emotions that you're communicating, Daniel, well, that seems off. Well, why is it off? Well, it's off because are they here for a reason? Are they looking at somebody? Um, you know, we have a video that we put up years ago that we produced uh, called Stuff Singles Here. And, and so one of them is um, you're too beautiful to be single. You're too great to be single. You're too awesome to be single. And then um, this one person looking in and going, um, I'm, I'll love you either way, but are you gay? And so I'll say the awkward thing in the room, which is when you're 40 years old and never married, somebody's thinking, oh, that must be what that is. And mm. so, so what happens when we do those assumptions, they're all out of this presupposition that I'm not completing Christ. Um, but 62% of the singles are never married singles. So the vast majority of singles aren't divorced, aren't widows, aren't, um, you know, all these other categories we're talking about. They're just not married yet. And you're saying, man, if you haven't done that by like 25, that's a little strange. And if you haven't done that by 30, that's a little weird. Well, that's why they're not coming to your church. Because yeah. they, they sense that and your people haven't been led in a way to, to feel differently about that because they've defined marriage as such a big thing um, in their role. So hopefully that answered your question without yeah. dodging. Yeah. And, and again, I know, goodness, we could speak probably hours and this is why people should probably go to your website and and all of that, but I've just taken those away over the years, and you do, you see it play out uh, all the time, you know, in a local church. Uh, yeah, we just, and most, yeah, we just put this room together and assume magically that a singles ministry uh, will take place, and it just doesn't happen that way. Well, PJ, thanks for joining us this week, man. It's been a fun conversation. We may have to, uh, there's a couple other areas I'd even like to dive down, but they probably hold episodes in and of themselves talking about, um, you know, there's a whole area of senior adult singles. And I, I, I don't know if you were in the class. We had some seminary classes together. We talked about one where someone's mom called him and said, hey, I'm helping the singles ministry. And he's like, oh, you're helping with the college age kids? No, it's. You know, it's all us yeah. 65 plus people. And yeah. then also the same sex attracted singles, because that's something we as churches and leaders really need to know how to 
one, be aware of and how to, with love and with grace and truth still, um, minister to those kind of people. Yeah, uncompromising truth, right? And right. So maybe we'll come back on and unpack it because those are those are cans of worms. And I think it was Dr. Shirley's mom you're referencing, if memory serves me right. And so she had a great group of singles of uh, of sixty uh, five year old singles. That's right. That's right. Well, PJ, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or um, follow up with Table for One Ministries, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, uh, our website is great. So tfoministries.org. Um, and the name table for one, just to kind of give you a, a little bit of snippet of where that came from. I had a pastor challenge me once and he said, uh, what do you want to call this group if you don't want to call them singles? And he's, and, uh, and I said, well, I don't know. I'll think about it. And he goes, I mean, just, they're never married. Just call them never married. And I was like, man, that's the worst name ever. Like who wants to be called never something. So I go back to my office, like a good Baptist and I storm session about all the worst names for singles. And I came up with table for one. And, and it really is the idea that we should be able to sit at a table and be completing Christ. It's the idea that we don't have to go to dinner with somebody. We should be able to sit at a meal with ourselves and God and feel whole. And so uh, tfoministries.org, um, pj at tfoministries.org is my, my email address. But we, we field a lot of questions. We do a lot of conferences. We do a lot of coachings. And so I'd love to help in whatever strategic way somebody would need and you mentioned you have a book coming out soon. You want to plug yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Well, not not fully yet. So it's a little on the hush. A little, okay. Uh, so look we're, for it. Look, we're, for, look it. for it. Look for it soon. We'll we will bring you back so we yeah. can give away a book. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we can do a book giveaway. Uh, on our on our um, website, we do have some curriculum for single adults, and so um, if you go there, you can. Um, it's called Being Completing Christ, and so uh, embrace the table is is a six-week study to help you kick off a group of singles to talk about those core issues um, that kind of define singleness and being whole. And so it's kind of like a starter curriculum to get you into the, the pipeline. So we do have quite a bit of success of starting groups and doing those kind of things with that. So. Well, we thank you for joining us again on this episode of Chair 2 Leaders. Make sure you follow us and like on Twitter and social media wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.